Up next, Rob Smith is problematic, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. The world is seeing Cubans rise up against communism, and what is happening right now has a huge impact on the conversation we're having with our socialists in the United States. Yes, socialism and communism is bad, just ask the Cubans. This is Rob Smith is Problematic. So (laughs) we're in the um, kind of the dog days of summer here in in media and politics. And I'm just going to be very honest. Things are just a little bit boring right now. You know, we we talk about Joe Biden's mental decline. We just talk about Trump is back on the scene, all of that stuff. What is going on right now in Cuba is, I think, one of the most profoundly interesting things that has happened, I think, in international politics in, in quite some time. It's actually quite stunning when you see people, basically protesters and activists hitting the streets, um, rising up against this communist regime that has been in power in Cuba since, by the way, since Fidel Castro took power in 1959. And I'm going to read to you a little bit of of the reporting on this, because I have to tell you, I'm not some world history buff. I'm a product of of public schools, right? Um, So there are some things that that I don't know, and there are some things that I'm learning um, as, as they're happening. And I think that what is going on in Cuba right now is, is extremely important and extremely interesting, as is the left's response or lack thereof to everything that's going on. So basically, thousands of people are marching through San Antonio de los Baños, which is southwest of Havana. Um, they are streaming live on Facebook. They are rising up against the communist regime. The people are dying of hunger. One woman shouted during a protest filmed in the province of Artemza in the islands west. She's saying our children are dying in hunger. So now, what is happening right now in Cuba? So obviously, Cuba's been communist since 1959, right? Since since Fidel Castro took over power. And here is a, an interesting fact, and this is also a fact that came from this New York Times piece, is that there has not been a president without the last name of Castro. Very recently, the, the first non-Castro president took over um, still communist, still the communist regime. And this is the person that people are rising up against right now. They are rising up against hunger. They're rising up against food shortages. What is going on right now is actually crazy. These are desperate, desperate situations. Like I said, these people are basically saying that they are dying of hunger in the streets of Cuba. You know, this is a communist government, right? They have not seen an uprising like this since 1994, all right? This is literally almost 30 years ago, and that exploded into the huge wave of Cubans leaving the country by sea. And one Cuban activist told the New York Times, it is the most massive popular demonstration to protest the government that they have experienced in Cuba since 1959, which is basically when Fidel Castro took power. So this is a really, really, really big deal. There is a dire economic crisis in Cuba. The coronavirus pandemic has cut off tourism dollars, right? So things were bad in Cuba before. Cuba has been communist, like we said, since 1959. You guys know I do some work with Turning Point USA. They did this really amazing video about Benny Johnson was at the time the uh, the chief creative officer. They took a team and they actually went to Cuba. I believe that they were actually detained um, by the Cuban government because they were basically trying to 
shine light on exactly what was happening there. They said, you know, there was something like you have to buy a card for 30 minutes of internet a day. They said it was actually crazy. But now the coronavirus pandemic has made things exponentially worse. Now, things are already bad in communism and socialism, which is communism is what socialism ends up being, by the way. Don't let the democratic socialists of America fool you. But people spend hours in line each day to buy basic food items. They have been unable to work because restaurants and other businesses have remained on lockdown for months, right? So, and it's very interesting to look at this throughout the lens of what we have just gone through in America with the coronavirus pandemic last year. Remember, this is very similar, right? People are unable to work because restaurants and other businesses have remained on lockdown. So this is what they do. So the government has sees this as an opportunity to take even more control. This is what some of our leaders here were doing. But, but thank God, you know, it didn't happen nationwide. But I wonder what really would have happened if Biden was in office during the coronavirus pandemic during the beginning of it. So this is what you see during a communist regime. Right. So this is the reality. The reality is food shortages. The reality is hunger. The reality is desperate people saying that they don't have anything to eat, that they can't work and all of this other stuff. And the coronavirus pandemic exacerbates all of this stuff. But it's not the root cause of it, because how this has to do with what is going on in our socialists over here is this is what happens now. The Bernie Sanders of the world that are pushing socialism in America and, you know, the Democratic Socialist of America and all of these far left people, they want to provide a very rosy view because socialism is great. This is what they'll say. And when I say socialism, I mean communism, because like I said, communism is what comes from socialism. And so they say, you know, this is great. This is amazing. People are having the power, all of this other stuff. But it also everybody knows that it is a total lie because this is what they want. Under communism and socialism, under a communism regime, the leaders and the elites and the people that are in charge, they have all the power. Do you think that the president is worried about his next meal in Cuba? Do you think that the people that are the ruling elites in power, do you think that they are worrying about their next meal? Do you think that they're worrying about money? Do you think that they're worrying about work or food shortages? Absolutely not. Because in a socialist, in communist regime, the people in power will always be taken care of. That is why these people that are in power are pushing this so badly in America. And it says something that Bernie Sanders, AOC, Ayanna Presley, Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib have not tweeted anything about Cubans fighting for freedom against this brutal communist regime. But who is actually saying something is Marco Rubio. Marco Rubio, as you know, is our senator from Florida who is Cuban um, and who knows about all of this stuff, right? And he is basically tweeting and saying a lot of stuff in support of this. But there was something that he said very interesting. And he made a little uh, amendment to the Biden administration's basically press release where they have a statement about what is going on in Cuba. And by the way, it took them about 24 hours to even say anything about this. This is what they said. We stand with the Cuban people in their clarion call for freedom and relief from the tragic grip of the pandemic 
and from the decades of repression and economic suffering to which they had been subjected by Cuba's authoritarian regime. The Cuban people are bravely asserting fundamental and universal rights, those rights including the right of peaceful protest and the right to freely determine their own future must be respected. The United States calls on the Cuban regime to hear their people and serve their needs at this vital moment rather than enriching themselves. And this is what Marco Rubio did on Twitter. He said, basically, you missed something. There are a couple of words that are missing from that statement, socialist and communist, because that is what this is. The Cuban people are standing up against socialism. They're standing up against communism. And notice neither one of those words made it in the Biden statement. Because he knows that there is a far left fringe on the Democratic Party that is now pushing these very ideas to Americans, people that are dumb enough to really believe in this stuff, people that are dumb enough to believe in the idea of socialism and communism. And so what is going on right now is that the left is trying to make this all about coronavirus, the coronavirus pandemic. They're trying to say that, and granted, if this podcast hits At the time that I'm recording this, Sanders, AOC, and all these people have said absolutely nothing about this. If they have said anything about this by the time this podcast hits, they will blame this on the coronavirus pandemic. And so this is what the left is doing. And this is what you will see in all of the reporting that comes from the left about this. They will make this about the coronavirus pandemic. They'll just, oh my God, you know, this coronavirus pandemic is so bad that they have food shortages. This coronavirus pandemic is so bad that the people are rising up against the government. No, it's not the coronavirus pandemic, or it's not solely the coronavirus pandemic. It is a communist regime that has used the coronavirus pandemic as an excuse to exert even more power over these people. And back to Marco Rubio, he had something very interesting to say. I think he was doing an interview with Fox News. So this is what Marco Rubio had to say about this entire situation. And like I said, this man is Cuban, comes from a Cuban family. And if you want to, you know, if if you want to get the real tea, the real deal about socialism and communism, you talk to a Cuban. It's now almost 10 p.m. Eastern time. It's now been over over 12 hours since over 32 cities in Cuba. Brave people have taken to the streets to protest against a communist Marxist evil tyranny. And so far, not a word. Not a word, not a statement from Joe Biden, from the vice president, from the White House. Not a word. What is it so hard? Why is it so hard? Why is it so hard? Why are they so uncomfortable coming forward and just condemning this evil socialist Marxist regime? It's been 62 years while these these people have been out there suffering. And what is it so hard about coming forward and saying, we're not going to tolerate brutality. We're not going to tolerate bloodshed. Do not step forward, Cuban military, and attack and hurt your own people. If you do it, you're going to be held accountable. We're going to raise this issue at the United Nations Security Council. We're going to talk to the Europeans and any other country that's been giving the Cuban regime cover so they can see the true nature of it. And we're going to pull the, put the full uh, force of the United States government behind these efforts for freedom. And we stand with the Cuban people. Why can't Joe Biden just say that? Why can't the White House just say that? I hope they will. Maybe they're doing it right now as I speak. I hope they do because I don't understand why they're so uncomfortable doing it. And then I see this tweet here from the State Department and, and this, this assistant secretary who I actually think is, does a good job. And I've been very impressed by some of the things she's done in the past. And she makes it sound like what's happening in Cuba is about people they are upset about COVID. And so they're protesting. 
This is not just about COVID. Yeah, of course, COVID is the icing on the cake here because you've got a socialist regime that says to people, you have no freedom, you have no uh, independence, you have no ability to speak freely, but you have a really good health care system. They don't. People are dying at their home in their homes. Their health care system is not this great system. And of course, COVID has a, pl- a role to play, but this began well before COVID. These people are frustrated. They want to live in a normal country. They don't want to have their kids getting on rafts and having to leave the country in order to lead normal lives. So why can't the State Department, why can't the White House just say it clearly? This is not about COVID. This is not about anything else. This is about freedom. Say it. And so obviously, you know, that clip from Marco Rubio, that was before the uh, Biden administration released their crappy little statement. And, and so the reason that it took them so long to have a statement, the reason that, you know, they're trying to blame this stuff on COVID. And like I said, you know, and I've been saying this a lot lately, these people think that you're stupid. These people think that you listen to their propaganda and you don't find news for yourself. And they're in a pickle here. And and I've got to keep it real with you guys with problematics. I've been feeling very confident lately because the Biden administration is such a disaster I've been feeling very confident lately that we're kind of cresting the wave and we're turning the corner on this whole socialism thing. And the reason that the Biden administration cannot come out forcefully against this, the reason that they can't say communism and socialism is because the socialists have infiltrated their ranks. They need the socialists. They need AOC. They need Ayanna Presley. They need Ilhan Omar. They need Tlaib. They, and they need all of the other little socialists that are now infiltrating Congress on the left side. Because that's where they get their power and their energy from. And they know those are the types of policies that they are pushing. The trillion dollars uh, in stimulus checks that are basically paying people to stay home, that are getting people used to government handouts. The fact that every single Democrat that was running for president in 2020 said that they support free uh, socialized health care, free college for illegal immigrants, all of this stuff. Because you have to understand, this stuff is communism. This stuff is socialism. This is where it begins. You know how it ends. We are seeing how it ends right now in Cuba. We are seeing people that are protesting in the streets and rising up against the communist regime because they don't have food to eat, because they don't have jobs. This is not just about coronavirus. This is not just about medicine shortages. And by the way, in this communist socialist utopia that the left pushes, they will tell you that there will never be such thing as medicine shortages. And the reason why they're not saying anything about this and the reason why they are trying to spin this as coronavirus related is because they don't want people to see the truth. And the truth is this. What is happening in Cuba right now What these people have been suffering through for decades is the direct result of communism and socialism. This is what happens. This is what happens. And so my advice to everybody that is watching, my advice to everybody that is watching the people in Cuba rise up against communism and socialism, my advice to everybody that is listening to me talk about this right now is do not ever think that this cannot happen in America. Because if we don't stand up against the communists and socialists that are pushing these things right now, if we don't stand up against this, 
then the things that are happening in Cuba right now will be happening in America. There's a reason that the people that are standing up in Cuba, just like the people that sit up in Hong Kong, there's a reason that all uprisings for freedom across the globe have one symbol that they carry and that they wave. And that symbol is the American flag. Because the American flag represents freedom from tyranny. It represents freedom from the kinds of communist and socialist tyranny that is happening right now in Cuba. But make no mistake, there are people that want this to come to America. And if we don't stand up against that right now, and if we don't call them to the carpet and saying exactly what this is, because it's communism and socialism, what is happening in Cuba will come to America, and it will happen here. So we are the last line of defense against that. Coming up, Tommy Lahren is sticking up for Caitlyn Jenner, who was harassed at CPAC, and she is getting slammed by conservatives. I will tell you why after the break. Um, so as uh, all you guys know, uh, a lot of the conservatives and, and Republican, you know, leaning people that listen to this podcast and that are watching right now, CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference, happened last weekend. It was down there in Dallas. For me personally, I, I've been to some of these conferences before. Um, you guys, if you follow me, you'll know that uh, I'll be speaking at the uh, Turning Point USA Student Action Summit this weekend, it's going to be in Tampa, Florida. It's going to be a lot of great people there. The CPAC thing in a lot of these conferences, and I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. Like, I'm going to keep it all the way real. I generally don't go to these conferences unless I've been invited to speak or, you know, I'm promoting a book or it's with somebody like Turning Point USA that I have a standing relationship with. And the reason why is because these conferences seem to be sort of populated with a, a lot of these sort of far-right crazies who get no attention other than taking a cell phone and, and taking videos and putting it on Twitter and all that stuff. Like, this is how a lot of these people get attention. This is how a lot of these people keep themselves relevant. It is why I'm uninterested in, in a great deal of these conferences. I go to one of these conferences by the way, I am loathed by the far right. The far right hates me. They cannot stand me. It's PC for them to say that they don't like me because I'm gay, because that's accepted in, in more far right circles. I think it's they don't like me because I'm black. They, they have said terrible things about black people. They attack black people all the time. They attack gay people. They attack anybody that's basically not white, Christian, male, whatever. So this is what leads me to Caitlyn Jenner. Caitlyn Jenner went to the Conservative Political Action Conference, CPAC. She's running for governor of California in the recall. And I'm personally, I'm going to keep it very real about Caitlyn Jenner. I did a podcast about her when she first decided to run for governor. I think that she's a weak candidate. I think that she's not super smart. I have been vastly unimpressed with a lot that I've seen um, in an interview. She did an interview on Fox. The first interview she did on Fox was with Sean Hannity. And and look, you, let's be clear. That was a softball interview. You know, Hannity was like, you know, why do you want to run all of this stuff? Like he, Hannity was throwing Caitlyn softballs. And, you know, so Caitlyn went on America's Newsroom with Dana Perino and Bill Hemmer. And that interview was a little tougher. Still not tough. Still not what I would call a tough interview. That interview was a little tougher, and she flopped. She just wasn't good. She didn't have a grasp of the issues beyond the talking points that she had. I just don't think Caitlyn Jenner has been a very good candidate. I do not think that this is this has nothing to do with the fact that, that Caitlyn Jenner is trans. I literally do not care. I could care 
when it comes to the trans movement, and I've said this to you guys before, I could literally care less what grown adults decide to do with their bodies. Now, when they start mandating things and and trying to take over female-only spaces and they start trying to trans kids and all of that stuff, that is when I have the issue. I have no issue with Caitlyn Jenner. But a lot of these far-right people that were at CPAC last weekend did have a huge problem with Caitlyn Jenner. They basically harassed uh, Caitlyn, ran her out of CPAC. So this is some audio with, again... One of these far-right people who go to these conferences specifically because these people are not relevant, they don't have platforms, they go to these conferences specifically um, to basically, you know, just to harass people. This is the the person harassing Caitlyn. Bruce, what do you think about the stuff that they're teaching in the schools? Bruce. Bruce. Right, here we go. Here we go. What do you think about the stuff that they're teaching in schools regarding the LGBTQ? About Jesus Christ, Bruce. Don't forget about Jesus. Look at that sick freak. And that's Caitlyn Jenner being harassed as he packed. First of all, Tommy Laren is getting dragged all over the internet because Tommy Lahren actually came out in support of Caitlyn Jenner. So this is what Tommy had to say. Hearing how some quote-unquote conservatives treated Caitlyn Jenner at CPAC makes my blood boil. There's no room for your hate in the America First movement. We believe in freedom and we believe in limited government. The way she chooses to live her personal life harms you in no way. The attacks on Caitlyn Jenner are despicable. I'll go to bat for her every single time. And if you want to take my conservative card for it, take it and shove it. Your mob is no better than the left's. And in fact, it's uglier. Now, I tweeted something in support of Tommy because I think that Tommy is absolutely right. There is this, I don't know if I want to call it a shift right now, but there is a rise of these super, super far right people that are being given a platform sort of in the conservative movement. And what's so interesting is that these people are what the left thinks that all conservatives are. And and if you listen to any conservatives, libertarians, Republicans, whatever, um, the the stuff is very live and let live. We are pro-freedom, right? And there are some people in the conservative movement that are going to hate trans people. And there are some people in the conservative movement that are going to hate me because I'm gay. And there's some people in the conservative movement um, that are not going to be particularly fond of black people, and I'll get to that in the next segment, but those do not represent the vast majority of people. So there is this far-right fringe that is attacking people like Caitlyn Jenner. They attack people like me. They attack Ben Shapiro for being Jewish. So they have this idea in their mind of what is supposed to be a conservative. And what to them is supposed to be a conservative is white, heterosexual, Christian, whatever, This is not the world that we live in, period. This is just not the world that we live in. And so this guy's running, you know, running after Caitlyn, you know, calling Caitlyn Bruce, all of that stuff. And and to me, it's just rude. Personally, it's like I have a lot of criticisms with the trans movement, which I have been more than welcome and more than open about vocalizing. But I want to go to some trans person that was obviously trying to present as a female and be like, you're a dude, you're a dude, you're a man. Like, I just think that's rude. So that's just not something that I would do because that is just not basic, like, human kindness and decency, right? 
And so Tommy Lahren's getting attacked by the far right. I get attacked by the far right. Caitlin is getting attacked by the far right. Like a lot of these people are getting attacked by the far right. And for me, they don't represent the vast majority of conservatives in this movement. They don't represent the vast majority of the Republicans I've met. I travel all across the country speaking. I will probably meet at the Turning Point USA conference that I told you about. Like, I'll meet hundreds of people. Um, I'll be in and out that weekend. If you guys are listening and you're going to be at the TPUSA SAS in Tampa, Florida, I will be speaking at around 11.45 a.m. on Monday, July 19th. So definitely come and check that out. But these people do not represent the vast majority of the people that I come into contact with in the conservative movement. Are there far-right people? Absolutely. Um, and there are also, you know, far-left people that are burning down cities and, and basically, you know, beating women who stand up for, for women's rights and stuff like that. So there's bad apples on both sides of the aisle. And I think that what people like me and what people like Tommy and everybody else, what we're really trying to do is we're trying to say that we're about pro-freedom. We're about limited government. We're about your right as an American to live your life as you see fit, as long as it's not hurting anybody else or infringing on anybody else's platform or, or lives. And on that aspect, I think Caitlyn Jenner is right in her platform. Like I said, I, I think Caitlyn Jenner is a weak candidate. Caitlyn Jenner has no grasp of the issues. I'm not even entirely sure, honestly. Like, I don't have any inside information. This just doesn't seem real to me. And, and honestly, and it doesn't. And, and I'm to the place right now, like, I don't, I don't care if Caitlyn follows me. I don't care if Caitlyn hears this. Like, I just don't care. Like, I have to speak what is the truth. And that is, I don't think Caitlyn is a great candidate. Now, can Caitlyn Jenner be conservative? Absolutely. And the reason why I think Caitlyn is a bad candidate um, is because Caitlyn is too wishy-washy. There's an opportunity for Caitlyn Jenner, as somebody that is transgender, to stand up and that has that identity and say, this is what we believe in when it comes to transgender issues as a conservative movement. But she's too easily swayed by the left because she comes from Hollywood and all that. And she very much wants to be accepted by those people. Again, what she hasn't realized yet is that those people will never, ever, ever accept her. I'm telling you, we're about um, a year and a half from Caitlyn Jenner be becoming a Democrat again. I I'm telling you. Like, this is, I just see it um, because it's not real. But Caitlyn Jenner being a weak candidate does not mean that it is right to attack her. It doesn't mean that it's right to call her a man. It doesn't mean that it's right, you know, for her to be ran out of CPAC like that. And like Tommy Lahren, I will go on record as saying this. If, you know, if there's somebody out there that's listening to this and they don't like my stance on trans issues, like you can take my conservative card and you can do whatever you want to do with it. Because honestly, to tell you the truth, I have been very disillusioned with both of these parties as of late. God knows Democrats have been completely insane, um, but Republicans are, are letting me down too. They're letting me down a lot lately, Okay. So I'm not so invested in being some far-right lunatic's idea of what conservative is supposed to be that I'm not going to stand up and say, what happened to Caitlyn Jenner is wrong. And what is happening to Tommy for speaking up about this is wrong. And what happens to people like myself that are gay conservatives or trans conservatives or black conservatives or whatever, um, the treatment that we get from some people that quote unquote call themselves conservatives is wrong. 
and I will never be afraid to call this out. Next up, I've got a big bone to pick with the conservative movement, and I'm going to tell you exactly what it is right after the break. I've got a bone to pick with the conservative movement. I know that that last segment may have seemed like a lot of conservative bashing, but it wasn't really meant to seem like it. It was meant to bash the far-right people in the conservative movement. But I have to tell you, I've been very irritated with uh, the conservative movement right now. Not necessarily our politicians, because the politicians know better than to wade into a lot of this stuff. But we have a lot of conservative influencers and a lot of people that, you know, have platforms in the conservative movement that are trafficking in sort of this anti-black rhetoric. And I'm going to tell you exactly what is going on. About a month ago, Juneteenth happened, and we were having this big conversation about Juneteenth. I did an entire podcast about Juneteenth, and I lost all these followers, and that's fine. Um, I don't say things to keep followers, first of all. I don't say things to make people comfortable. I don't. I do not say things to stoke a base. I have stopped doing that um, because that doesn't help anybody. But I lost a lot of followers when I said that um, Juneteenth is an American holiday. Juneteenth is the official ending of slavery. And this is something that should be celebrated as Americans. And it's great that it comes right before the 4th of July because we can celebrate both. I am telling you that we can. So there was a big um, stink about Juneteenth that was coming from the, the, you know, the usual suspects, the same people in the conservative movement that always seem to have, you know, some kind of issue, like whenever black people do something or whenever something happens in black culture, because in their minds, they know so little about black culture that they connect every single thing to what's going on in the far left. And I see the far left trying to take control of the Juneteenth narrative. And my advice to conservatives would be to embrace Juneteenth and to not let them do that because you guys you guys take the bait a lot. And then there was this, um, I did Outnumbered for the first time on the 5th of July. So the day after the 4th of July, I did Outnumbered and there was this controversy about The Black National Anthem, uh, it's called Lift Every Voice and Sing, which is, you know, it has been known as a Black National Anthem. It's not officially called that. But at a 4th of July celebration, the event opened, and this was a a mainstream 4th of July celebration, the event opened with the National Anthem, because we have one National Anthem, and then Vanessa Williams closed it with Lift Every Voice and Sing, and then that became an issue to a lot of conservative influencers, pundits, whatever you want to call it, people on Twitter, because people that spend a lot of time on Twitter seem to constantly be in need of something to complain about. This is what people do on Twitter. And then they had an issue with that because they're saying there's, you know, there's no black national anthem, there's only one national anthem, et cetera, et cetera. And so they're right. There is only one national anthem, and that is the national anthem. But Lift Every Voice and Sing, as I said on Outnumbered, has been around since 1900. Lift Every Voice and Sing was first performed in 1900 as a part of a birthday celebration for President Lincoln, right? So that is how long Lift Every Voice and Sing has been around. It got adopted by the NAACP during the Civil Rights Movement, and it was the unofficial, quote-unquote, black national anthem, right? So Lift Every Voice and Sing is a huge part of of black culture. And here's the thing. When you have conservative pundits and influencers and and this being a conversation on like Fox News and conservative media networks and stuff like that, and this is the issue with this. The average black voter 
who we are trying to convert. We are trying to get more black people to come over to the conservative side. We are trying to get more people that are black to identify as conservatives, to identify as Republicans, because basically we need their votes. Conservatives and Republicans have been reaching out to the black community hardcore, I would say for the past three to four years, and it has been working. There has been a shift in the needle. We have seen more black males voting Republican. We've seen more black females voting Republican. I think we moved the needle by a couple of percentage points in 2020 with President Trump, with uh, the black vote for, for President Trump. So in a lot of different ways, the ways in which the conservative and Republican movement have been reaching out to black voters has been working. The conversations that we're having right now about school choice, people are getting it. Fun fact. Black women who voted for Ron DeSantis for governor in Florida are who moved the needle. That gubernatorial race was so slim that black women may have put Governor Ron DeSantis into office and they voted because of school choice, right? So we are having these conversations about school choice. We are having these conversations about the crime wave that affects more the majority black people, right? We are having those conversations and it is moving the needle. But all of this stuff and all of this work that is being done is undone by petty arguments about Juneteenth, by petty arguments about a black national anthem, by petty arguments like, why are there black Americans and Latino Americans and gay Americans? We're all just American. That stuff turns black voters off. It turns black voters off. When the average black voter, the independent black voter, because there are a lot of independent-leaning black voters out there who are interested in conservative policies, who are interested in Republicans, who are interested in just having a different conversation. And so when they are interested in that and they go to, to, to reach out to this stuff and they see white conservatives yet again talking about, oh, you know, black people need Juneteenth and, oh, the black national anthem, there's only all of this stuff, it is a turnoff to people. And that's what I want conservatives of all colors to kind of realize. And I, I follow um, Pastor Scott a lot on Twitter, and he's been calling this out a lot lately. Because what people don't realize and what people don't get um, is that when Trump was in office, he had a lot of smart black people that were very connected to the community working for him. That's why he was so good on these issues. And if you get somebody like DeSantis that runs in 2024... You're going to need people like Pastor Scott around basically saying that you guys got to ease up on that stuff. Because for every good point that you make when it comes to school choice, when it comes to um, the crime wave, when it comes to being pro-police, when it comes to having more police on the streets, like these arguments that work for black voters are undone by the petty stuff about Juneteenth and the Black National Anthem and Black people are doing this and all of this other stuff. It's undone by the petty stuff. Because Black voters that are interested are going to see that stuff. And they're going to be like, man, these people are racist. These people are racist. They don't care about me. Look at what they said about Juneteenth. Look at what they said about the Black National Anthem. Look at what they said about the Civil Rights Movement. So that is something that has been on my heart and on my mind a lot lately when it comes to this movement and when it comes to um, conservative influences. Now, look, I'm not policing anybody's speech or anything like that. You people say what you want to say. There's people that their entire brand is whenever black people do something to hop on it um, and to stoke that base. That's fine. You do you. But my advice is this. 
Don't do this stuff and then come around and expect black voters to put you back into power in 2022 and then expect black voters to vote for you in 2024 because it's not going to work. Because a lot of these people are starting to get hip and they're starting to know that these Democrats are full of it. They're starting to know that the Democrats don't necessarily have black people's best interests at heart. They're starting to realize that these Democrat policies don't necessarily work. But what they're also seeing from Democrats is an understanding of the community and an understanding of the culture. And these Democrats will use that understanding of the community and use that understanding of the culture to manipulate them further and to keep on voting for them, even though a lot of these black independents and conservative-leaning people know that these policies are not working for them. They know that school choice will work for them. They know that they need more police in the streets. They know intrinsically on some level that these Democrats do not necessarily care about them. But they will keep on going and they will keep on voting Democrat when they look at Republicans and they see these conversations that are happening in the the conservative movement about Juneteenth, about the Black National Anthem, about stuff like that. So my advice to wrap this up for conservatives is say what you want to say, but don't expect to just say anything and to disrespect culture or disrespect history or do any of these things and then beg black people for your votes in 2022 and 2024 because you may just not like the answer that you're going to get from it. Before we go, I want to thank my fellow problematics so much for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. You can also find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Rob Smith Online. Special thanks to our producer, John Cassio, researcher, Aaron Kliegman, and executive producers, Debbie Myers and speaker, Newt Gingrich, part of the Gingrich 360 Network.